Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. That was not only a loss for the Dallas Cowboys, but it was a punch in the face with the sad, cold, and hard truth that they're facing. And we'll get into their sad reality Right now on ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime, here we go. What is up, everyone, and welcome into ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime. I am your host, Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night here on ADZ Sports Dallas on the Man Sports Talk Network. As always, do me a favor and hit the like button for me as you join the stream. It is, let's say it, a tough Monday night for Cowboys fans. About 24 hours ago, the Dallas Cowboys were getting whooped on average. And man, it was a watch. Mainly because obviously you know about the implications of the game. You know, as the Cowboys themselves told us before the game and leading up to it, that this was not just any other game. And for the 49ers, it was, really. But for the Cowboys, it was not. Because it was back-to-back years of being eliminated by the Niners. And the Cowboys taking this approach to really beat the Niners and maybe the Eagles. And obviously, you know, you want to win your division and that's how you build your team. But I think that the Cowboys and the Niners were really correlated or, you know, they were tied together during the entire offseason. The Cowboys traded for Brandon Cooks and we were like, oh, next time that we face the Niners, they're not going to be able to take away C.D. Lamb from uh, Dallas because they'll have to worry about Brandon Cooks and this and the offense will be different. You know, we talked about the full healthy offensive line. It is a different combination than the Cowboys had on January 22nd when they lost to the Niners. So this time it might be different. The Cowboys fired or mutually parted ways, if you want to call it that, Kellen Moore to beat the 49ers. It didn't have anything to do with the Cowboys' performance during the regular season. It had everything to do with getting to the 49ers and actually Beating them. The Cowboys drafted a nose tackle in the first round, thinking about the 49ers. And again, all of that might be a slight exaggeration, but I really do believe that the team that the Cowboys were thinking about during the offseason was the Niners. The Niners, the Niners, the Niners. Because even though the Eagles are a pretty good team, they do have a good matchup or a favorable matchup against the Eagles. Like historically, they've done pretty well against them with Dak Prescott at quarterback. But still, the Niners have been that boogeyman for the Cowboys. And the sad reality that the Cowboys were met with on Sunday night is that they're not on their level. The Cowboys are not on the 49ers level. Some people want to make it about the quarterback 
fine, have at it. It's not just about the quarterback position. Because, man, the 49ers beat you in the trenches. The matchup that the Cowboys were supposed to be able to exploit against San Francisco was their wide receivers against the 49ers cornerbacks. And you noticed that the Cowboys believed the exact same entering this game because they started to fire some deep shots early in the game and somewhere around the first half, like the Cowboys were taking some shots. It never panned out for them. Dak couldn't connect with C.D. Lamb. He couldn't connect with Michael Gallup, with Brandon Cooks deep. The only deep shot that we saw the Cowboys be efficient in was the Cavante Turpin play where he scored. Other than that, nothing going for Dak on offense. It took them five offensive drives to even move the chains. The Cowboys didn't have red zone woes because they never got to the red zone in the game. It was a very painful reminder that the Cowboys are not up there with San Francisco. You can have Brandon Cooks, amazing. He might open up some stuff for CD Lamb. But the 49ers are choosing between all-pro caliber players on offense. They're choosing whether they go with Christian McCaffrey, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Devo Samuel. They're not the same. They're not the same. And we knew what the San Francisco 49ers were all about. We've known for years now because they've been main characters in the NFL for multiple years. They've been to Super Bowl recently. They've been to the Super Bowl recently. They've been to the NFC Championship game even more recently, like literally months ago. But we thought that the Cowboys maybe had taken a step forward. And the Cowboys themselves believed so too. It was clear on Sunday night that that's not the case. And I'm going to get into some of the comments here pretty quickly. But I did want to start by saying that Cowboys moved the chains only eight times versus the San Francisco 49ers who moved it 25th time, 25 times. The Niners had 421 yards of total offense. The Cowboys had under 200. Third down was maybe where the Cowboys were pretty much in line with the Niners 4 of 11 versus 6 of 11, but even that is not the same. 6.3 yards per play for the Niners, only 4 for the Cowboys. They weren't able to run the football. They were not able to pass the football. They turned the ball over four times. You know, the Cowboys were three drives into the game, offensively speaking, and they had picked up six yards total. One in the first drive, another yard in the second drive, and then in the third drive, they did pick up four. Only it happened in the play that Tony Pollard happened to fumble the football. Six touchdowns versus one touchdown. And 22 minutes of possession. Let's make it 23 if we round it up. Versus 37 of the 49ers. It was a team that is aspiring to sit down at the big boy table with the Niners. And even with the Eagles, and they're still confused looking at the kids' menu instead. That's what Sunday night was for the Cowboys. And this is what sucks the most about the whole thing. You think about the Cardinals game, and you think about how painful that was. But still, there's that deep feeling inside of us that it's like, man, if the Cowboys and the Cardinals run it back 10 times, the Cowboys probably win 7 out of 10 times if not more. 
But there's this feeling of certainty that if the Cowboys and the Niners run it back 10 times, the Cowboys are lucky if they get one versus San Francisco. And that's because they're clearly the best team. They're clearly the better roster. They're clearly the better coach team. And they have a favorable matchup against the Cowboys too, which counts. They match up well against Dallas. They have Dallas's number. I don't know if you guys saw George Kittle wearing that t-shirt. I'm guessing that you did. He wore a t-shirt underneath his jersey with the F Dallas messaging. And some people have, somebody reached out to me and said like, hey man, every team plays its Super Bowl versus the Cowboys because they're America's team and this and that. That's not why George Kittle was wearing that shirt. This was not... This was not the Super Bowl for the Niners. The Cowboys were talking about it being a bigger game. The Niners were just doing the same thing that they do to every opponent. It just happened to be against a better team, the Cowboys. Kittle actually wore that t-shirt because he probably knew what was about to go down. There was no respect in that sense. They were not afraid of facing the Cowboys. The Cowboys were playing their Super Bowl versus the Niners. It wasn't the other way around. And I don't want to sound like a, a Cowboys hater on this show. This is not what I'm doing. But I really believe this is the only way to capture what, Saturday, what Sunday night was. It was really a punch in the mouth and a bucket of iced water on Dallas. They're not the team that we thought they were. They're not the team that they thought they were. And the Cowboys themselves said it. How about Mike McCarthy bringing in the painful through uh, in his press conference? He said it's a punch in the gut. It's a kick in the ass. Whatever phrase you want to put on it, you look at how this season has gone, and we've been knocked down. Clearly, they beat us in all three phases. We will acknowledge it. I'm not a burn-the-tape guy. I think that's BS, basically, is what Mike McCarthy had to say after the game. But that was not it. There was actually a second part to this quote that I thought was pretty telling, which was, they played extremely well and we did not. And it was one of the years where I thought we had taken a step as a team. I didn't see this coming. We did not hit the mark at all today. Now, listen, we have a lot to say about Mike McCarthy too, and we'll get to that. But in this sense, he's totally right. He's totally right. And, of course, Cowboys fans do not even want to hear it because they would much rather see the Cowboys back up everything that they have to say on the field. But McCarthy actually kept it pretty real here, and he said it was one of the years where I thought we had taken a step as a team. I thought, as in, we did not. So that's what where things stand. Uh, even 24 hours after the Cowboys' humiliating loss. It, it's the only word, it's the only phrase that you can put on it. It's humiliating, honestly. Total team failure, as Christy says here in the chat. Both sides of the ball, players and coaches, total failure. And that's important to say, Christy. I agree with you. Here's why. People want to make it about the quarterback. And one of the biggest things that I came away you know, thinking about the game was Brock Purdy, and we talked about it during the week. Brock Purdy deserves a lot of respect, man. He he is doing some good stuff for, for uh, San Francisco. I agree 
that he's on a very favorable situation. There's nothing that he can do about that. It's not his fault that he plays for such a talented offense and for such an amazing coach in Cal Shanahan. It's not on him. That's not his fault. What is his responsibility and what he is accountable for is the fact that he's taking this 49ers offense to a level that we did not see with Jimmy G. And obviously, we did not see it with Trey Lance because we didn't even get to see Trey Lance run the 49ers offense because he lost the job to Brock Purdy. I mean, I know he was injured and everything, but so was Brock Purdy. He was coming back from a UCL surgery this offseason, and Lance didn't put up a fight at all. In fact, that's why he was traded to Dallas. So I want to respect Brock Purdy for all that he did. And this is in no way hate on Purdy, what I'm about to say. But those of you who are trying to make it about the quarterback, be completely honest with yourself and answer me this. Flip the quarterbacks on last night's game. Make Dak Prescott the 49ers game, uh, QB and make Brock Purdy the Dallas QB. Who wins the game? Because I can guarantee you it's the 49ers. It's not the Cowboys. It's about much more than the team. And some people say, well, but Brock Purdy makes $1 million. And Dak Prescott makes 40 something million dollars. Man, the salary cap does not impact the way that you scheme your offense. It does not impact how you build the game plan. It does not impact any of that. It's not like in Formula One where the salary cap, it's about how you built the car. It's not about any of that in football. It's about the players and the players only. And it's painfully evident when you watch last night's game that one team is making life easy on their QB. And that doesn't mean that that QB is not stepping up with some opportunities and showing anticipation and extending some plays and throwing deep and taking risks and doing his thing. Brock Purdy is doing very good stuff for the Niners. And I know that it might take some time, but hey, Brock Purdy is definitely in the MVP conversation just based on the fact that he's one of the leaders in EPA. And year after year, the leader of EPA wins the MVP award. So let's just say that too. But still, you flip the quarterbacks and it's the same result for the Niners. So I'm not even trying to say, and we'll get into this conversation from Tommy915 here, not trying to say that Dak Prescott played a good game at all yesterday because he clearly did not. And it's three times now versus the 49ers where he's absolutely looked lost. But one of these teams, man, one of these teams is clearly scheming better, making life easier on your quarterback, scheming guys wide open, using motion, using switches, using all kinds of stuff. And the Cowboys, man, everything feels so difficult for them. Everything is this player has to win versus this player. You never see a wide open read for, for the Cowboys. It just it isn't happening right now. And that sucks to see, man. It really does. Tommy915 says, Dak isn't that guy, Mo. Let's just keep it real. Brock Purdy outplayed Dak just from the QB position. Tommy915, you are 100% correct. And that's why I prefaced it by saying, I'm not even trying to make it about the QBs. I am making that QB-based thought exercise 
for us to realize that if you flip the two QBs, it doesn't change because of what's behind them. A entire roster, which is better, an entire coaching staff, which is better, and an entire organization, really, that is better. It doesn't mean that Dak Prescott played a good game because he didn't. He was terrible. And, and people talk about the interceptions. Honestly, there's stuff that I was even more upset about than the interceptions. Uh, I was upset at, you know, the play where he sacked by Fred Warner, which is an insane play by Warner. Let's give him some credit. The Cowboys are running mesh. And, you know, it's Jake Ferguson going to the left. It's, uh, no, excuse me, CeeDee Lamb going to the left. And Jake Ferguson going to the right. And then... He rolls out of the pocket, in my opinion, much earlier than he needs to. He, he can stay right there in the pocket and, and, op, uh, and throw to Jake Ferguson, who's about to get open, or at least seems that he's going to have a chance. Instead, that kind of hesitates, scrambles to his left, refuses to throw the football, and ends up being sacked by Fred Warner. And again, it's a huge play by Warner, and he deserves that credit because he's a superhuman, uh, an amazing player at football. But you want to see Dak take make better decisions in those situations. The third interception, I believe it was, the one that was, that was on a short throw, like on a slant to, to the right. Ah, that was a forced, forced throw, and there's no excuse for it. The deep shot, you know, at least it is a deep shot. He's taking a chance. I don't like the fact that he took that chance in that particular instance of the game. There's a whole lot to complain about, a whole lot, and we would not uh, hear the end of it. How about the Cowboys running the football on third and four on a simple split zone play? So they're running zone only to kick the field goal on fourth down. I'm good with running it in third and four as long as the plan after that is to go for it. But if you're not planning on that when you're down by two touchdowns, which was the case when this happened, coming out of halftime. Why are you making that decision? And it seems like a random moment in the game, but the game was 21 to seven there. And you were, you know, on your opening drive of the second half, third and four, you run inside, you run uh, inside zone, split zone, basically get stopped for the that for down. You kick the field goal 50 yards for Brandon Aubrey. Danny says they played for the field goal. Man, you know what I would much rather think? And, and I'm not saying Danny is wrong. I don't think that he is. I would much rather think that the Cowboys were undecided about what to do. So they ran the football and then they wanted to go for it, but ultimately decided not to do it. Because if you're playing for the freaking field goal on third and four in that scenario, what the heck are you doing, right? In my opinion, what the heck are you doing? At least try to throw the football and be okay with, hey, I'm going to kick a 52-yarder if not. Even that I would be relatively okay with. But if you're running on third and four in that situation, you better be planning to, to go for it after that. But the Cowboys were not. Just bad coaching, bad coaching. And this is not to take anything any part of the blame away for the players, but I do think that coaching was the biggest problem on the on the game.
mean, if it, it, it's saying that Danny is wrong again, because he's like, for example, there's the run per goal, is then that's the problem. That is the problem. If that's really what the Cowboys were trying part of the problem that we're talking about. Now, some of the picks, I do agree with some of the people that say, man, the game was over by the time the interceptions happened. I will agree to that. That was tough to see. Now, there was that moment after the game that was also pretty upsetting when you talk about the offense and everything. Oh, I'm sorry about the Wi-Fi. I think that we're back, though. I'm actually on my hotspot because I don't know why my Wi-Fi was giving me issues. Uh, hoping it gets a little bit better there. Sorry about that. But how about C.D. Lamb? C.D. Lamb was asked about the offensive identity. The question was pretty straightforward. He was asked, what is the identity of the Cowboys offense? C.D. Lamb straight up stared at the reporter who asked the question for like a full two seconds looked down, shrugged with his expression. Maybe he didn't shrug with his shoulder, but it was like one of these, you know, one of these. And he was like, I don't know. And then I loved the follow-up from the reporter, which was, should you know? And he was like, I guess so. I don't know. Mark Aaron says, I hate that stupid-ass question. Man, I don't. I don't. I, I understand CD's not going to spill the beans right on what they're trying to do offensively. But I thought it was a pretty telling moment, honestly. I, I thought that that's not overreacting to what he said or what he didn't say. Which, you know, he, he didn't know what the identity of the offense is. The offense that you've been working in since the offseason and CD was pretty upset, man, at the game. And how can you blame him? How can you blame him? Let me see if I can show you this really quickly. I might struggle to actually throw it up on the screen because I didn't prepare it with time. But Jamar Chase was force-fed, was force-fed uh, this week by the Bengals versus the Arizona Cardinals. Joe Burrow was just finding a way to get the football to Jamar Chase, and they were lining him, up, lining him up in the slot on the outside. He was running verticals. He was running posts. He was running all sorts of routes. You look at CD's route chart, and it's like Forest Lands, man, on the right side, and some hitches out here. Nothing special, honestly. Talked wonders about what Mike McCarthy did CD Lamb open versus the New York Jets. There's just one problem, though. All of that happened versus zone coverage. It didn't happen versus man coverage. And it seems like the Cowboys do not have those answers when they get man-to-man. And it was a little bit of a change-up from San Francisco, to be honest, because they do play a lot of zone. And they came into this game and played a lot of man versus San- versus Dallas. And Cow- the Cowboys were not ready for it. The Cowboys were not ready for it at all. CD was so frustrated, man, in some of the plays where he was not targeted. Uh, there were pictures from the sideline where he's just completely away from the team. He goes out there post-game and gives that answer to the reporters. And I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming him for, for having that response, but it does, it does speak volumes 
about the state of your team when your star wide receiver is having those answers at the end of games. As for the defense, it's tough, man, for the defense. At halftime, I was like, I have no complaints about the defense, man. They were put in such a difficult position. One of the touchdowns comes after Tony Pollard's fumble. Then you get like all these crazy moments where, you know, they had gotten the stop, but there was a offside penalty, which is absolutely inexcusable from Jaren Kears. It's like a Jalen Tolbert moment from last year. And some people might say, man, Mike McCarthy does not hammer down discipline. It's the NFL. Your head coach does not have to tell you how to line up. And make no mistake about it, uh, Mike McCarthy, as I said earlier in the show, to me, was terrible last night. And it's the main reason probably why the Cowboys lost versus the 49ers. But in this particular instance, that's not on the head coach. You lining up wrong, it's not on the head coach. You're, you're a grown player. You know where to line up. You know where to do that. So that was frustrating as heck. You would have gotten the stop there, but you don't. Ultimately, they do get the stop in that drive. Then there's a personal foul and taunting play. I understand the personal foul because it's the rule. You might not like it. I might not like it. But those two helmets collide. You make contact with that QB head or that player's head, and you're going to get flagged for it. It's just the way that it is. Uh, taunting, though, man, if, if something was not said on the field, I don't understand what the taunting call was all about because I don't think anyone was taunting. But, you know, the call on Donovan Wilson, in my opinion, fair. And by the way, Donovan had that uh, face mask as well. He's been a problem, in my opinion, since he returned. Uh, hopefully he's okay, though, with the injury. Uh, we haven't gotten a, a clear-cut update on him specifically. We'll get into some of the injury updates before we get out of here tonight. But, man, how about that first-half defense? It was weird to evaluate. Kind of felt good about it. Going into halftime, you were like, man, it's on the offense that they're not in this game right now. Hopefully the defense holds up. They did not. <laughs> they really did not. In the second half, the 49ers just blew them out of the water. George Kittle had a monster game. Three touchdowns for the entire night. The defensive line was just allowing the 49ers to gash them in the run game. Cal Chan had this perfect game plan just to destroy Michael Parsons, man. Not only with the double team, but just through scheme, Micah was absolutely disappeared. And I've seen some criticism on Micah. And I think this is just Cowboys Nation just hitting rock bottom. Because, man, the, the loss is definitely, in my opinion, not on, uh, not on Micah. Like, he was neutralized, but you need the other defenders to step up when that happens. So then the 49ers cannot focus on sending everything Mike Parsons' way. The Cowboys did not do any of that. I saw someone say in my mentions, and this is what I mean with just the Cowboys fans just absolutely losing it after this game, and I don't blame them one bit. But somebody was like, man, Micah was made up by the media. Uh, the hype is all media-based. And I'm like, 
man, come on, stop. Somebody said, that same guy said, TJ, what is a good defensive player? Not Micah. Micah is just hyped up by the media, which is absolutely moronic to say. Of course, Micah is not made up. He's not hyped up. But he was neutralized on Sunday. Not in a bad way, just like the 49ers were making sure that Micah was a non-factor and nobody on the Cowboys defense stepped up to keep them from doing that. And that's why you got the results that you got. Let's see here. With our defenses, Ricky, playing at its potential, not like last night, all we need is a game changer. A, a game manager, excuse me. And Dak can't even do that. He's a turnover machine. And this is one of the things that I've struggled with with the conversation. Dak is better than just a game manager. I understand the frustration. I understand all of that. But man, somebody also said in the chat, like, not in the chat, on Twitter, somebody told me, man, he can audible. He can, he can change the play. I'm like, we're literally watching a team do everything easy, make everything easy for Brock Purdy. And this is not Hayden Purdy again. But we're watching a team right now on TV doing that. And we want to put more on Dak's plate. Nobody should be surprised that Dak Prescott is not a Patrick Mahomes. Nobody should be surprised that Dak Prescott is not a Joe Burrow. Nobody should be surprised that Dak Prescott is not a Josh Allen. We all know that. We all know that he's not a player that you'll win with him as everything else goes wrong and goes south. The bad news, though, for people who would like him to be that is that Good luck finding one of them. It's not, it's not going to be easy at all. It's not. That's why the first-round QBs that are drafted many of these years are like Mac Jones and Daniel Jones. And I, I felt like I was targeting the Jones there for a little bit. Zach Wilson. There's a reason why teams are trading for Jimmy G and teams are... Happy to land Derek Carr. I understand the frustration at the QB position. I just think that some people have like this unrealistic expectation for what your QB should be. I would also love Patrick Mahomes. Sign me up for Patrick Mahomes, man. We'll talk about that in a, in a, in a little bit, Mark. Thank you, though. Is that like an official update that happened while I was live? Or what do you mean? Let me know in the chat, though. I would appreciate it. Or, or is it just the expectation for LVE to go on IR? We'll talk about that, though, in a minute. Guru says, I disagree with Mo. We Cowboys are still considered America's team. And sure, the Cowboys are considered America's team. It's nothing to do with the actual football that's played on the gridiron, though. It has to do with the marketing stuff, with the brand, with the TV ratings. That's what being America's team is all about right now. But the guru says, so we are every NFL team's Super Bowl, mm. including the Niners. Man, Cowboys do not get to claim that. I'm sorry, they don't. I'm sorry, but they don't. I, I heavily disagree with that. 
I'll tell you who is everyone's Super Bowl today. It's the Niners in the NFC. It's the Chiefs in the AFC. Those are the teams that have those targets in their back because they're the good teams. Because everyone wants to prove to the NFL that, hey, we can beat the Chiefs, man. They might be the Super Bowl champions, but we can get them. The 49ers might be the clear-cut favorites in the NFC because they're 5-0 and and dominating everybody that's put their way. We can beat them. That's our Super Bowl. But the Cowboys being America's team is about the fact that, hey, most watched game of the season was this Sunday night. And Monday night football versus good old Kellen Moore, a lot of people are going to tune into that. And, you know, when the Cowboys play, let me look for a bad game here. When the Cowboys play the Carolina Panthers in week 11, that's going to be one of the most watched games of the week. That's America's team. That's what America's team means. But Dallas, hey, Dallas did not get to claim that this was the 49ers Super Bowl because it really was not. And it's as simple as looking at the quotes leading into the game. Who was talking about this being a bigger game than just any game? It was the Cowboys. Who was talking about being pissed off entering the game? It was Dak Prescott. The Niners were like, oh, yeah, man, it's another game. We're 4-0. We're trying to get to 5-0. Let's do it. And they did it. Easily. It's it's tough. Uh, It was a reality check. I thought entering the game that the Cowboys had improved, that the Cowboys could hold on with them. That the Cowboys had a shot at winning the game. That was a pick. We did cash the over, by the way. So we are now 4-1. and one. <laughs> But um, the 49ers cashed it for us, basically. Unfortunately. But, man. It was confirmation that they cannot hang with the Niners. What does that mean for the season? Well, you're a long shot right now to win the division. Because the Eagles are still 4-0. Uh, everything can happen. It's a long season. You do get two games versus Philly, which definitely helps. You cannot afford to lose any of those two now. Uh, but you also cannot afford to lose pretty much a lot of games now. You need to beat the Chargers. You need to get the Rams. You need to get the Giants again. You need to sweep the Commanders. The Cowboys, sure, they're still likely to make the playoffs. And as long as they don't face the Niners... I guess they'll be okay as, you know, competing in the playoffs. Let's not, you know, take this Sunday night game and just say, hey, man, listen, the Cowboys suck. They're done for. They're not going to make the postseason. That would be dumb, too, and that would be short-sighted, probably, in my opinion, at least, uh, to not even give them a shot, even. However, I'm not picking the Cowboys if they face the Niners in the playoffs. Doesn't matter if they go 12 and 0. I'm not picking the Cowboys if they face each other in the playoffs because it's a matchup that favors San Francisco. As easy as that. Just keeping it real in that sense. And the Cowboys have more trouble now, though, with injuries. And we'll talk about that shortly, though. Before we do any of that, though, let me get into some of the comments here and do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Thank you so much for being here on the show. Every thumbs up puts prime time in front of more and more Cowboys fans. And that way we can continue to help uh, grow the show. 
Uh, Billy says, I almost, almost would rather not make it into the playoffs at this point. We know who we are playing when we get there, and that's no dice, says Billy. I understand the feeling. Uh, give me the playoffs, though. I'm here for the playoffs. <laughs> and, hey, maybe you get lucky. It's the NFL. And maybe the Cowboys get to avoid the Niners, right? That would be pretty dope. Randy says, time to give one of the other QBs a shot. We have nothing to lose. Also, need a lot better play calling. I don't disagree with the play calling stuff. That's an issue, and we'll talk more about that throughout the week. I will say, though, you absolutely have a lot to lose. You change the quarterback, the season is done. That's not going to happen. Uh, the Cowboys are not going to bench Dak Prescott for Cooper Rush. Regardless of what my opinion of Dak is or what your opinion of Dak is, I'm letting you know as a friend, as your host of ADZ Sports Dallas Primetime, let me tell you right now, the Cowboys are not changing their QB. They're not changing it for Q Cooper Rush, and they're not changing for Trey Lance, even though they traded for him. Let's just get that out of the way now. The one way where Dak Prescott could stop being the QB of the Dallas Cowboys in the short to intermediate future is if everything absolutely blows the heck up. Like, imagine everything blows up and the Cowboys have a losing record and maybe they're within reach to draft somebody that they really like. Maybe they take him and maybe they just play the negotiating game with Dak and then in 2024, you never know what could happen. And even that feels like a significant reach to me. That's the only way that, that's the only path towards any of that happening. In 2023, you're not seeing a QB change and you shouldn't see a QB change because Dak Prescott, still pretty good, still one of the top 10 QBs in the league. Just try to rank them for me if you disagree. But the reality is you need to help him out. And the Cowboys are not doing that through their scheme. It's pretty much some difference here and there, but it's pretty much the same. You're not seeing motion. You're not seeing anything to make his life easy at all. I think we saw the first screen of the game until like the third quarter or even the fourth quarter. I don't even remember at this point. But the Cowboys were just making everything look difficult while the 49ers did their thing as usual and just looked pretty efficient doing it too. Let's see, though. Uh, Guru here says, should play calling be turned over to offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer? Man, the fact that I'm not entirely sure that that's not going to happen speaks volumes about what's going on in Dallas today. The fact that I could see this happening. I could, I could see a scenario where Schottenheimer takes over the play calling, and it sucks that that is even an option that we consider feasible when Mike McCarthy basically sent Dak Prescott out of here. Martinez says, bro, it's Dak. He is not that guy. The, the thing here is that that guy has different meanings for everybody. I'm telling you now, who are you going to get out there that's better, Martinez? Fire back with an answer here. Fire back with an answer with me. Mahomes, Josh Allen, 
Joe Burrow, they're not the they're not the measuring stick for what you're looking for in a good quarterback. So who's that guy? Who's that guy? Somebody with the same level as Dak Prescott, but with a different year. So we can get excited because he's a different face, a different name. And we can be like, oh, he might be as good as Dak Prescott. Like the family guy mystery box bit. Could even be a boat. Because I can tell you, man, if the idea, as Keith says here in the chat, is going with Cooper Rush. Oh, I can, I can answer that question, Keith. I, uh, he's asking, what's Dak doing that Rush cannot do? Man, Dak Prescott can do just, he can play the quarterback decision much better. He's a better arm, better mental processing, better all of that. I think Cooper Rush is not the guy that you think he is. The Cowboys just happened to win while he was playing QV. So we'll see. Ricky says, okay, here's a top 10 from Ricky. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Lamar, Hurts, Purdy, Tua, Deshaun Watson, and Trevor Lawrence. Man. Ricky, if the Cowboys have Brock Purdy and they play the scheme that the Cowboys are using and Dak Prescott goes to the 49ers and he plays that scheme with those weapons, do you think Dak Prescott... Beats the 49, the Cowboys in that particular game or Brock Purdy. Do you think that Brock Purdy wins the game for the Cowboys? If you would swap out the QBs, if you would swap the QBs like that last night. And what has Deshaun Watson done exactly? Other than play for different teams that Dak Prescott has not. Man, Deshaun Watson wishes he was, he was playing like Dak he's playing like even this year. Deshaun Watson is not out there looking good for the Cleveland Browns right now. And that's with one of the best offensive lines in football, too. It's just one of those things. Martinez says, you're right, bro. Anybody that can throw down the field seems like Dak is scared to throw down the field. It's like a lunar eclipse when he completes a downfield pass for more than 25 yards. I will say... One of the things that keeps Dak Prescott from being that top-tier QB that many people dream about and that I would take if the Cowboys, like if you told me, hey, the Cowboys can have Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't hesitate at all. I'll say that. That is kind of fair. Like, hey, Dak is rarely going to create and push the ball downfield as good as some of the really top guys do. He can throw the deep ball, but it needs to be a good situation, a favorable situation for him to do it. He cannot force the ball down the field. And honestly, even the elite guys cannot do it at the level that people imagine. Because you see Mahomes and you see Josh Allen and Joe Burrow missing those throws all of the time. But the reality is that you're probably not getting anybody like that. Cowboys fans have thought or like not every Cowboys fan, but like people who have called for Dak to be replaced have talked about Russell Wilson, have talked about Deshaun Watson, like in the past, I'm talking about the past. And it seems like every one of them have given us confirmation that, oh yeah, playing quarterback is actually pretty, pretty tough. And the Cowboys have one of the better guys in the league that can do that. 
He's still in the top 10 of the league. He's absolutely in the top 10 of the league. And it's tough. It's tough. You, you, I mean, I would much rather have an elite QB. I agree with all that. But it's not what this conversation is about. Not realistically, after, at least. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before we do get out of here, let's talk about some of the injury news. Uh, because now the difficulty is raised for Dallas. Kevontae Turpin is expected to be out four to six weeks. Uh, Mike McCarthy said that he has a chance of practicing this week. Maybe he's right. Maybe reports are wrong. But the report so far is that Kevontae Turpin suffered a high ankle sprain. And usually that one takes four to six weeks for NFL players. So he might be out for a while. McCarthy saying, though, McCarthy saying that uh, Dak that, excuse me, that Turpin might practice, might indicate that things are different that one may, what, than what many believe, excuse me. C.J. Goodwin, McCarthy said that the Cowboys are considering putting him on IR. Adam Schefter is reporting that his season is done with a pectoral injury. The Cowboys have not confirmed it, but honestly, I'll probably say that Adam Schefter is right with those sort of reports most of the time. And then there's the one that really should worry Cowboys fans going into week five. And that's Leighton Van Der Esch. Obviously, Van Der Esch suffering a neck injury is a major issue. He's had a long history of neck injuries. And he was a red flag, honestly, for many teams coming out of college, coming out of Boise State. He's headed to IR as well, according to reporters and according to Mike McCarthy himself, who said that, hey, we're looking at IR for Leighton Van Der Esch. That would knock him out for at least four games, but we don't really know the severity yet of what is in store for Van Der Esch. We don't know if it's really going to be four weeks, but if you go into IR, then that's the minimum, which means that the 53-man roster has the following linebackers. Take out a pencil and a piece of paper because I'm going to dictate to you the linebacker room. Number one, Damon Clark. That's the list. I'm done. I mean, sure, Marquise Bell is playing linebacker, but the guy is a safety. He is He, he weighs like a safety. He is a safety, playing linebacker. And, man, respect to Marquise Bell because he's doing a decent, maybe we could call it a decent job for how difficult of a task that is. But the reality is the Cowboys do not have linebacker depth. They don't even have two linebackers that they can line up as starters unless, unless, they moved Dak. They moved Dak Prescott. Uh, they moved Micah Parsons. Excuse me, to linebacker. And then, what does that translate to? You're losing your best player on the field on defense as well. Which is why I'm slightly against moving Micah Parsons. But there really seems to be very few answers, and that's clearly one of them. But if you move Micah to linebacker then you're losing your best defensive player as well as Leighton Van Because your best defensive player is Micah, but it's Micah rushing the passer. 
It's not Micah, the linebacker. He can do a good job at linebacker, but what did he practice all offseason long? Practice edge rushing. He went to talk to Andrew Whitworth to get better against offensive linemen. He has been preparing to be a pass rusher, not an off-ball linebacker. And he's so athletic that he might go out there and surprise us all and play very good football at linebacker, but still it's not going to be as big of an impact as somebody that's drawing double teams at one of the highest rates in the NFL and sometimes even triple teams. So that's a big concern entering week five. I wouldn't want to see Micah in the second level. I would wish to keep seeing him play on the defensive line. But I do wonder if the Cowboys have any other option if it's not playing Marquise Bell at linebacker or maybe Malik Jefferson from the practice squad. But the fact that they didn't even want to have Jefferson play over Marquise Bell at linebacker should tell us volumes about how they feel about him. Malik, uh, Mikel Jones, the guy out of Syracuse that they signed, is probably not going to be a difference maker. That's tough, man. That's a, that's a tough situation that the Cowboys have going on at linebacker now because it doesn't seem like Van Der Esch is returning anytime soon. So they might trade for somebody. They might sign somebody. We'll see what the Cowboys end up doing. But yeah, that was a punch in the face for the Cowboys on Sunday night, and the aftermath is not pretty either. That The Cowboys get the LA Chargers next Monday night. Uh, we'll be preparing for it throughout the week, but I guess tomorrow night we we'll, won't be talking about that yet. There's a lot that we need to get to. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. I love these uh, episodes because they're like a therapy session as well as they are a, a form of entertainment, hopefully, for you. Thanks so much, though, for tuning into the show. Do me a favor and hit the like button for me. Every thumbs up puts this show in front of more and more Cowboys fans. I hope that you guys enjoyed the show. I am live every Sunday through Thursday night at 8 p.m. Central here in ADZ Sports Dallas. Check out the website as well at adzsports.com slash Dallas, ladies and gentlemen. And see you. Thanks so much. Muchísimas gracias. Bye-bye.